Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to take you through the six step process that I use to set my own personal financial goals uh, for 2021 uh, and that I've used and sort of crafted over a period of time. And of course, I use the same process uh, when advising clients and also setting out uh, implementation plan or goals for particular clients in terms of what we want to achieve or tick off this year. Uh, Before I get into that, first I'd like to uh, wish you a happy new year. Uh, Hope that uh, 2021 is a uh, substantially better year or less volatile year than what 2020 was. Uh, And of course, I hope that you've had uh, some time to uh, relax and uh, have a bit of fun and enjoy time with family and friends over the sort of Christmas and New Year period. Uh, Some of you still might be uh, doing that. And if that's the case, good luck to you. That's fantastic. Uh, And for those that are already back at work, uh, welcome back. And I really look forward to sharing more uh, insights and podcasts and analysis and so forth uh, throughout this year, I think it's going to be a pretty good year market-wise. Um, uh, which, which, uh, but of course, uh, I was going to say which is good. Um, uh, but of course, you just never know what's around the corner, particularly with the virus. Uh, it seems to uh, uh, be very unpredictable. So who knows what this year will look like? Uh, okay. So without further ado, let's talk about the six-step process that I use to set fi- personal financial goals. You know, there's a saying, if you aim at nothing, that's exactly what you achieve. So if you don't set any goals, you know, the, the likelihood of achieving some significant uh, outcomes this year uh, is less likely than if you do set some really well-defined, well-thought-out goals. So even a couple of hours, you know, one to two hours really it takes to go through this six-step process, it's probably the best investment that you can make, best time investment that you can make. Put it on paper, create some accountability, which I'll talk about um, at the end. Uh, And it's very likely that even if you don't achieve your goals, the goals that you set out at the beginning of the year, you'll get very close to achieving them uh, or well on your way to achieving them, which is much better than if you hadn't set them in the first place. Okay, so the first step is before we look forward, uh, it's always good to look back. And I always look for learning opportunities. And I think mistakes tend to offer us the best learning opportunities. You know, if I, if I invest and everything goes well, you know, quite often, if I don't make any mistakes, uh, there's very little to learn from that other than, okay, I did the right thing, but, you know, I did the right thing because I thought it was the right thing from the outset. So what have I really learned? And the answer is nothing. So the best thing to, to look at, although it might seem uh, rather negative, the best thing to look at is what did what did I do or didn't do uh, last year that I, that if I uh, looking back that I wouldn't repeat that again. You know what what mistakes did I make? So it could be not investing when you had the opportunity to do so, not divesting of assets that are underperforming, wasteful spending, poor cash flow management. These are the sorts of things that or examples of things that. Uh, that you can uh, focus on, I guess. Uh, Procrastination or an inability to make a decision, I think, is just as costly as making the wrong decision. So whilst you, uh, through this exercise, might look at all the bad decisions I made, uh, don't forget to think about the decisions that you didn't make. 
So I think the share market last year certainly taught us uh, that uh, procrastination can cost a bit of money. You know, for example, if you had have invested in the World Share Index in sort of April, May, so that's not the bottom of the market. I'm not suggesting you invested, you know, you, you, you timed it perfectly. But just as things or sentiment was starting to sort of recover, if you had started at that time and just invested progressively, uh, your investments would have increased by over more than 20% by now. And that's a very diversified, low-risk, low-cost way of investing. And that, that equates to an annualized return of about 34%. Now, that alone is not a Bitcoin or a Tesla sort of uh, investment. You know, you can make this investment once and then just retire off the back of it. But it shows that you can really, I mean, if you can start an investment portfolio with an annualized return of 34%, that's a really good start. And that'll compound. And over long term, which is the most important thing, uh, that's going to generate some good returns. So if you had the capacity to invest last year and you didn't invest, uh, that could be one of the mistakes. Depending on your, your situation and risk appetite and so forth, that may or may not be one of the mistakes that you can focus on. So once you've identified those mistakes, then you have to ask yourself, what can you do to avoid repeating them? Uh, and in my business, I like the saying, blame the system, not the people. Uh, so if anything goes wrong in our business, I think we think, not I, our whole team thinks about what, what system improvements, what things can we put in place so that doesn't happen again? So don't blame the person for it happened, blame the system. And you can apply the same approach to investing. So you think about all the things that have gone wrong or you could have done better last year and don't um, beat yourself up about it. It's good that you're, you're probably the most valuable thing is that you're learning from the mistake and then think about um, what can you do, what systems and strategies and rules can you put in place so that you don't repeat the process. Uh, and really, it, it can be difficult sometimes to make uh, unemotional financial decisions, particularly when it's about your own money. Uh, so there's only really, well, not, there's two main things that you can do. The first one is uh, start adopting a set of investment rules uh, so that you just defer to the rules and don't really think about the implementation of it. Uh, and one rule could be, look, if the market drops 30%, start investing small amounts monthly from then on. Uh, and then you sort of invest all, all the way through the recovery um, without taking major, major bets. Uh, the other way uh, can be um, asking for help. And so whether that's an accountability partner, you know, a friend, a family member that'll, that'll hold you accountable for making better quality financial decisions, uh, or of course, a, a professional like an independent financial planner like myself and so forth. Uh, there's some of the things that you can do or, or strategy you can put in place to think about all the things that you didn't did, didn't do or did do in 2020 that didn't work out so well uh, and, and not repeat those same mistakes. So that's the first step is really looking back before we're looking forward. The second step is to look at all existing investments uh, and review their performance and also um, make sure you roll over any unachieved goals from 2020. Uh, so you've got to think about have any investments underperformed? Do you need to take profit on any investments that have done really well? Um, uh, do, do any property investments, uh, investment property, sorry, require any maintenance or you're unsatisfied with the property manager? Do you need to refinance or restructure your mortgages, including fixing interest rates, for example? Uh, increase personal insurance like income projection, update wills or at least review them. 
uh, consolidate super accounts or review super performance. There's some of the th examples of questions you need to ask yourself. So you need to really just run the ruler over your existing investments. Uh, most importantly, looking for underperforming investments. It's not necessary that you set the goal that you must divest of that underperforming investment in the next 12 months. It might not be prudent to do so, but you need to have a strategy. That's the question in regards to underperforming investments. What is my strategy with this asset to make a decision, to divest of it strategically within the next one or two years or whatever it might be, uh, and then what am I going to do with the proceeds? So how am I going to replace that investment? Um, uh, taking profit is also a good thing to do if some investments have done well, you know, if you've made, for example, US tech investments have gone nuts over the last uh, a few years, it might be good to reweight your portfolio, take some profit and put them into markets that are exhibiting better valuations and better future returns. And then, of course, in this second step, if there's anything that was on your list last year that you didn't achieve, uh, then roll it over and put it on the list this year. So that's step number two. Step number three is estimating your surplus investable cash flow for 2021. That is how much money you'll have left over after paying for commitments and living expenses that you can contribute towards building your financial asset base so that you can achieve your financial and lifestyle goals. Uh, and, uh, you know, the basic rule of building wealth is really always spend less than what you earn and invest the difference. Or in fact, an even better approach is to actually invest first and then spend what's left over, uh, which is a, a much better better process. Uh, I included uh, the, the most successful cash flow management banking structure in a blog last year, and I've got a link on the blog uh, uh, on the website uh, and also in the, in the show notes as always. Uh, and this structure is a, a really good structure that uh, a lot of, almost all my clients have used with great success and allows them to manage their expenditure levels on an ongoing basis without needing to track every dollar and cent, without needing to pay for software, downloading, using spreadsheets, etc., etc. So a really easy way to do it. Uh, if you don't know what your... Um, uh, spending, then you're arguably you're, you're, you know you need to improve your cash flow management. So really, in step three, the first question should be, how confident are you you're managing cash flow well? Uh, and you'll know, you'll know really in, uh, deep down whether you're doing a good job or not. Uh, if you can tell me what you're spending on general living expenses uh, with confidence, not just oh, I think it's in this range. No, last year I spent seventy-two thousand dollars, for example. You don't have to break it up, but if you can tell me the full number, then the chances are you're doing well. If you have no idea, then that should probably be the first thing that you add to your list for, uh, in terms of goals for 2021, is to tighten up your cash flow management. Uh, by the way, cash flow, good cash flow management doesn't necessarily mean having to make compromises, spending compromises. It doesn't necessarily have to mean you know you got to stop going out for dinner or do those sorts of things. It doesn't need to be painful. In fact, uh, when you don't have uh, a good banking structure in place to manage cash flow, uh, you end up wasting money on things that are adding very little value to your standard of living that you can do without and you wouldn't miss. So if you don't have uh, good um, structures in place, these things are occurring and you're wasting money and those small little items add up over a year and you could be wasting $10,000 a year. And that $10,000 
uh, could be going towards you know the holding costs of another investment property, for example. So the compounding cost of that poor cash flow management, say over a 10 or 20 year period, isn't just the $10,000 a year, it's the opportunity cost, which is even more substantial. So step number three really is about reviewing cash flow management, making sure you're on top of it. Um, you need to have balance too, by the way. So I'm not suggesting that people should be looking for every dollar and cent to invest. Uh, we want to enjoy the journey of building wealth. So spending money on holidays and those sorts of deliberate expenditure things that add a lot of uh, enjoyment to life uh, are important, very important. And you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't necessarily get rid of them. Uh, but they're not really the problem. The problem is this unconscious expenditure on, you know, buying some takeaway coffee every now and again, and you, it really just doesn't add anything to your standard of living. They're the things that we need to work out. And obviously within step three, it's really just about working out, okay, how much of my income do I want to put towards uh, investing for the future? It might be 5000 10000 $50,000 a year, but you need to strike a number, um, and uh, hopefully that number is uh, maintainable, you know, that you can do 20000 this year, next year, the year after, and consistently, uh, because a consistent surplus allows you to make some really long-term plans, which is great. So that's step number three, surplus investable cash flow. Step four, of course, then, uh, looks at how, what are you going to do with that cash flow? Uh, and, of course, there's many options that you can uh, repay or offset debt, uh, you can acquire inve additional investments such as shares or property. You can make additional super contributions. Uh, you can just accumulate a cash flow buffer, cash savings buffer, and so on. The best question to ask yourself is, how do I allocate my cash flow in 2021 in order to maximize my financial position by 2031 or later? So what I'm really thinking about is in, in a decade, what can I do today so that I'm much, much better off in a decade. And the benefit of taking this approach is it forces you to focus on fundamentals and more importantly, the long-term, and it allows you then to drown out the short-term noise. You know, the Bitcoin, the Tesla, all the sort of um, populist uh, noise that's going on at the moment that will entice you to make a financial mistake. Whereas if I start thinking very long-term, I don't really then care about the virus to some extent. I don't really care about what's going to happen this year. Um, I don't care about the vaccine and its success and rollout. Uh, I'm going to focus then on the long-term fundamentals uh, and uh, evidence-based strategies. Now, uh, a low interest rate environment really creates two competing opportunities, which I recognise. The first one is when interest rates are low, it's a great opportunity to repay debt. You know, it's much easier to make significant uh, debt repayments when interest rates are 2%, say, compared to 8%. It makes sense, right? So it's a great opportunity, 2021 and probably the next few years, it's a great window of opportunity to reduce debt. And you can do that more effectively while interest rates are low. Conversely, repaying debt might save you what? Two to three percent per annum in interest. That's not really a big return. So uh, it's reasonable to expect that if you invest it in other markets, over the long run, you're going to achieve a better return than two or three percent. So these two things are contradictory, uh, and I think they're both correct, by the way. Now, with debt repayment, 
Sure, you can look at, okay, if I make a principal repayment this year, it's going to save me 2 to 3% in interest. It's not a big return. But think about the compounding nature of repaying debt because not only it saves you 2 or 3% this year, it's 2 or 3% next year. And one day when interest rates increase, it'll be saving you 7% or 6% or whatever the interest rate might be. Uh, so again, taking that long-term approach, thinking what can I do so that I'm better off in 10 years' time allows you to focus on those, those long-term outcomes and the answer probably is um, do both. Uh, and if you don't have a lot of cash savings, um, so typically I like to see my clients have six to 12 months of living expenses just in of cash sitting in an offset account to prepare for things like a, a, a coronavirus, for example. We saw what happened last year with lockdowns and so forth. Um, uh, so if you don't have a, a, a substantial enough cash flow buffer, then that's the probably the that the top priority this year is to sort out your cash flow management, uh, accumulate a, enough of a, a savings buffer, and then start thinking about in investments. Okay, step five um, is uh, reviewing all sort of kind of evergreen ongoing matters. Uh, so that could be uh, things like estate planning documents, wills, power of attorney. Typically, uh, a lot of uh, new prospective clients I meet their will is either admittedly outdated or they don't have one at all. Uh, you know, it's something that tends to be on our to-do list, but we think it's, uh, we know it's important, but we don't think it's particularly urgent, or at least we hope it's not urgent. Uh, and that's reasonable, um, but also it's not a big deal. I wrote a blog about putting a will together uh, last year and the key things you need to look at. Uh, so that's on the website, but uh, it's, not a, it's not a big task to complete. Uh, and if it's on the list or you don't have a, a will or power of attorney or um, the, the uh, binding death benefit nomination for your super, they're the sorts of things that you need to get on to. Um, reviewing personal insurance, income protection, life TPD. Income protection um, premiums inc have increased significantly over the last couple of years. So always good to go back and have a look at and weigh up You know what is your financial position, what is your um, strategy or investment strategy, and, and are you overinsured or underinsured? Is there a, a more tax effective uh, or, or efficient way to, to uh, create that insurance? Uh, tax planning, um, obviously, some things to think about before the end of the financial year. You know, is there anything that you can put in place today so that you can uh, minimize or delay tax? Uh, interest rates and mortgage structure is obviously um, really looking at uh, borrowable equity. Is it an opportunity to lock that in? Uh, even again, even if you have no plans to make an investment in 2021, if you're in a position where you're uh, in a strong borrowing capacity position, take advantage of it. Uh, similarly, interest rates, uh, fixed interest rates are very low. Um, we saw in Norway a, a, a bank uh, last week offer a 20-year zero fixed rate interest mortgage. So you can borrow the money, pay uh, zero interest for 20 years on a fixed rate. That seems pretty good. Um, and, and there was some talk about whether that would happen in Australia. Well, uh, the RBA would have to go negative on interest rates, and they've said that that's not even on the cards. Uh, and the argument really is that, and, and the evidence really is that negative interest rates don't really work that well. Uh, so they're not that effectual. Uh, so I think that's unlikely to happen. So fixed rates look pretty attractive at the moment. And then, of course, super, looking at super fees, performance, those sorts of things. Uh, being a fund that that uh, that perpetually gives you one percent less in terms of returns compared to a better fund uh, will cost you will compound and cost you a lot 
uh, over a, a reasonable amount of time. Th these are the sorts of examples of topics you need to be looking at probably every one to two years. Uh, it's good just to look at it. You're not looking for things to do or change. Uh, if it's okay, then great, you can move on. Um, but similarly, just uh, um, ignoring it, set and forget, um, it's not really the best strategy for those sorts of things. And then finally, the last step uh, in the process is uh, set goals and an action list. Um, um, I think we, we tend to overestimate what we can achieve in the short term and underestimate what we can achieve in the long term. Uh, so quite often, if you ask someone to set goals for the next three months, they'll set too many. Uh, and if you ask uh, people to set goals for the next 10 years, they set too few. So just be mindful of that. That tends to be kind of human nature. Uh, and, um, uh, and, and so just be realistic about the goals and what you're able to achieve this year. Delegate as much as possible. Uh, you know, get your accountant, mortgage broker, insurance advisor, property advocate, you know, your team, get them involved in the implementation of your uh, goals. Uh, it's another good way to sort of make sure you're going to achieve them is to delegate them to somewhere else. Uh, and of course, it would be uh, remiss of me not to mention, despite my, uh, notwithstanding my vested interest in doing so, uh, that engaging a holistic financial services firm makes this whole planning process very similar because you have one team that's all on the same page that understands your uh, financial plan and your goals so they can collaborate and share ideas to make sure that they're implemented correctly, that you're doing everything possible. Okay, so before I leave you, so that's a six-step process actually, I'll just go um, through it. Firstly, look at what you did wrong or didn't do last year. That's where you're going to learn the most. Step two is to review existing investments and any unachieved goals from 2020 to bring forward. Step three is estimate your surplus investable cash flow for 2021. Step four is to allocate that surplus investable cash flow, which could be you know, to many different things, debt reduction, buy an investment property, etc. Uh, step five is to review the sort of evergreen ongoing matters like wills, insurance, super, those sorts of things. Uh, and step six is to set an action list, um, uh, well, goals, and then action list, the steps that you need to take in order to achieve each of those goals. So that's the six steps that I've always used uh, it for my personal circumstances and, of course, for my clients that I advise. Uh, and I just wanted to leave you with probably three uh, sort of tips, and they might sound a little bit out there. I have used them personally to great effects. They've worked really well for me over the years. I haven't used them all the time. It just depends on uh, how I'm feeling, what my goals look like. Uh, but here's three suggestions that you might think about trying. Uh, as I said, they, they do, well, at least they've worked for me anyway, and they've worked for thousands of people. Uh, the first one is to create a vision board. A vision board is really a, 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 a poster that you stick pictures of um, images that represent your goals uh, on this poster, you put the poster somewhere that you're going to see every day. Uh, a bathroom's a good place, for example, because you sit there brushing your teeth every morning, for example. You, pretty boring task, um, something to look at. Uh, and uh, you just you, you sit there and look at it and you think about your goals. And uh, it manifests, um, unconsciously manifests in your mind and helps you get closer. So a vision board's a good one. Uh, second one is to write a vision uh, which is really describing a day in your life, assuming you've achieved your goals. And again, this would be more longer term or could be more longer term. So you can be, be as specific as possible, you know, where you live, how you feel, 
how much money you have in the bank, uh, for example. Not that it's all about money in the bank, but you know, it, it um, uh, certainly having uh, uh, been uh, secure financially uh, for, for for myself at least makes me feel more comfortable than being um, not secure financially. Uh, you know, describe your relationships, what you do day to day, how you feel. As I said. Um, whatever's important to you, describe it, and the more descriptive you can be, uh, and then read it every few months. Uh, um, I remember doing that uh, probably about uh, oh, probably about seven ish years ago, uh, and my life today is exactly how I described it in that um, in in that commentary. And the third one, uh, third idea, is to create an accountability partner, some sort of accountability for you achieving your goals. Um, one way of doing that is is finding and selecting a, a friend or family member that you trust, um, someone that's kind of on the same page and same journey as you is always good. Uh, share your goals with them and then ask them to uh, uh, have a meeting, a coffee with you every quarter uh, or Zoom if you're in a lockdown uh, and uh, hold you accountable for achieving them. Uh, and even, therefore, just again, subconsciously knowing that someone's going to pick up the phone and ask, have you done this in three months' time? Uh, chances are you'll be more accountable uh, and you'll achieve a lot more uh, that than you than you think you will. Um, and the last thing about setting goals is um, don't look at uh, not achieving them completely as a failure. Uh, quite often I'll set goals um, and I'll achieve some and then some of them uh, I'll only achieve 80% of it. But, you know, that's still a lot more than I would have achieved if I uh, if I hadn't set the goals in the first place. So they're just some three ideas. They might sound a little bit out there, but certainly they've worked for me. Um, and so if those goals are important to you, uh, I suggest you you try them and find what works well for you. Okay, a bit of a longer one this uh, to, to begin this year. I apologise for that. Um, if you're still on holidays, have a great time. But until next week, bye for now.